0: Hello there, I'm Dee Reddy and welcome to Inside Intercom. On this week's show, we're chatting to Hubert Palin of Product Board, the product management system that incorporates customer feedback and insights to help product teams build better products. He spoke with Rati's Virawa, a product manager here at Intercom about how to master product strategy. It's a really interesting conversation with someone who's managed to bridge the gap between product and business sides of an organization. They cover a lot of ground, including the importance of customer feedback, how to achieve product excellence, and why a segmentation matrix is a valuable tool. It's a really interesting chat, so let's head over to the studio and hear from Rati and Hubert.
1: We're delighted to welcome you as a guest on Inside Intercom today. Do you want to kick us off by just giving us a bit of background on your career to date?
2: Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. I'm from Prague, the Czech Republic, born and raised there, but I've lived here in in San Francisco Bay Area for the past 13 years. And I got my master's in computer science back in Prague. Then I ventured into the world of consulting and spent uh, several years at Accenture. And then I really wanted to go to Silicon Valley. And I chose the route of applying for a business school here in Berkeley. got an MBA. And then from there, I... Uh, Tried several startups, some uh, failures uh, under my belt there, and then ended up at a company in business intelligence space called Good Data. And I started as a you know product manager, uh, but then grew all the way to be the VP product. And I kind of experienced a lot of the pain points that product managers have, and uh, ended up starting a product management company, Product Board. And here we are. This is six years later, three thousand wow. companies yeah a lot of great stuff happened.
1: What a journey. I'm curious. um you mentioned that you had a degree in computer science and then now you've moved on into this world in product. What was that shift for you? Why did you make that shift from software development um, to product management in the product world?
2: yeah, it's a it's a it's a good question. you know i as a kid, I always liked to solve problems and create new things, playing Lego, building electronic stuff. And that was why I was interested in very analytical problem solvings. And I was into math and physics and and that then led me to you know, computer science. And it was all about basically figuring out how to build things, right? How to How to use the technology to create something. But then the consulting experience was interesting because I realized that the the technology is just one part of it and that to to really have a big impact and to really build something that's gonna touch many people solve something really really important that i need to understand the the world and the business side and learn how to build a business and learn how to get others excited to join me and just thinker with the technology and so That was the business part. That was the, how do I do that? And I thought, oh well, business school is great. You know, I'm going to learn all these new approaches and the theories and that marriage, both of these things is really what I've been benefiting since from benefiting since from because, you know, the empathy and curiosity to, to understand the world and see, oh, this could be done differently combined with the knowledge of what's feasible from the technology side how digital products can be applied or built to solve the problems that's the unique approach and if you have both you're just much faster because you can very quickly envision even even before you build anything you can envision hey you know i actually know that this could be built in the digital world and so that's the 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 benefit of you know having one one foot in each of the worlds
1: yeah and i'm i'm thinking here with that mix of Having, as you're mentioning, this mix of understanding the technology and the, the software side of things and the business with product, this range of experience, I'm imagining, really informed your decision to found ProductBoard. Could you tell us a bit more about how this came about and where this aha moment came in between all of this?
2: Yeah. So let me so, so product board is a product management system. It's a it's a it's a system that helps product managers make uh, better product decisions and figure out how to bring products to market faster. It's a B2B SaaS application. Think of it like CRM and I'll, and I'll get to that. And the you know, as I mentioned, I I was I was a PM at a fast growing San Francisco startup, right? And grew to BvP products. So I kind of seen the 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 pain points and the struggles of being an individual PM and then also being a being head of department responsible for managing multiple teams and you know most of my product management work which is really learning about the customers and their needs it's the market analysis it's the looking at available solution alternatives it's it's the identification and assessment and then ultimately prioritization of the opportunities that you see in the market like all of this core stuff that's that's core to product management is what people typically do and what I did uh, back in the days in spreadsheets and powerpoints and I try to somehow bring you know the context uh, from from the spreadsheets and powerpoint powerpoints later once you start building things into the product delivery process and reflect it in the engineering task management tools that we all have available you know we we back in the days used pivotal tracker and then later jira and it's really difficult to bring the context of the market and the customers and their needs into these systems because these systems were designed for engineering delivery, right? Who's working on what and break it down into smaller pieces when it comes to building things. But the kind of the big Eureka moment, the realization on my side happened when, you know, if you, if you look at product management, it's about customers and their needs on one side And then the products and services that you offer to them on the other. But the customers and the needs are completely missing from the systems that we use. There's no entity of a customer in Jira, for example, which is mind-boggling because that's the foundation. We need to understand the customers and then we go and build things. Somehow these entities were not uh, not available in, in the systems that we're using. And it's even if you contrast it on the business side, like we have CRM, Customer Relationship Management, and that's kind of the central you know, business brain of the company, right? We have all the customers. It's tied to the marketing automation tools. It's interlinked with the support and, you know, customer success. And it and it all meets there. But on the product side or on the, or on the R&D side, we really don't have a system with customers and information about customers and their pain, pain points in it. And so it was like, okay, let's change that and let's build a system that's going to be like CRM but it's going to be optimized for the needs of the product or the R&D organizations. And that was the moment. And, and we started building it. And, you know, Steve Blank was my professor, father of lean startup here at Berkeley. and, And he got me into, Oh, you need to get out of the building and test, test and iterate. Right. And so we did that and it took us 13 iterations of the product and, uh, and ultimately we, we launched and then, you know, we've been iterating, uh, on it ever since. This is back in 2015.
1: That's that's amazing to hear. Um, as you were describing that and this aha moment when you were saying this, the insights and the customer conversations that are happening, they're, they're not naturally connected with the tools that we use with an R&D org. I'm wondering, um, I've, see, I've heard you say before that you when you were coming to the US in the Silicon Valley, you were expecting to have a, an excellent or perfect product culture. Um, I'm wondering <laughs> here, what were you expecting? What did you discover? I'd love to hear more about that
2: yeah i I mean look like you're kind of idealistic especially you know given that you're coming from from europe and central europe in my case and you just look up to silicon valley as the mecca of oh everything's done right and you know everybody knows what's happening and then you know i'm an engineer and i think like an engineer I right? so so i'm looking for frameworks and patterns and so it's, it's it I'll, I'll, I'll tell you so so what happened to what happened to me was that You know, I learned a lot about frameworks and kind of high-level business strategy at Accenture, where I did my consulting for years, because that's what you do as a consultant, right? Like you have frameworks, you look at the market dynamics, you do practical research, and you advise companies how to use these frameworks. Um, And then during my MBA, I went even deeper into the theoretical knowledge, like, okay, it's strategy, marketing strategy detailed theory of segmentation and how you do market research. And then I mentioned already Lean Startup and customer development, like all these frameworks and processes that help you tackle the complexity, like understand the complexity of the world. And then when I entered the Silicon Valley real world, you know, I expected the kind of same level of, of strategic product sophistication meticulously defined target segments and we would be drawing blue ocean strategy canvases and you know deeply thought out product and do, go-to-market strategies maybe not in the seed stage but then later on if you're series b funded or if you have already thousands of customers and you you uh, the company has grown but instead, what I found out, I was a VP product at a company with 300 people and 100 million dollar raised and recent Horowitz funded, and it wasn't like that. It was the level of sophistication was quite low. You know, I, I was I was hanging out with my buddies at a VP products here in the valley, and uh, and I saw how companies are relying on early insights of the founders and offer you know often really discovered by sheer luck and they're failing to scale beyond that they they don't have the discipline they don't have the framework to to um just innovate and find new uh, new ideas that would scale teams were afraid to focus uh on just specific you know segment of of, of the of the market or specific segment of customers and as a result, they would end up building products that were not really great for anybody and they would be you know, too broad, too, too kind of uh, in the middle of the road instead of exceptional for a really passionate group of customers. And lack of alignment at companies about who is really the target customer. Who is the target customer right now? Where is where we are going? Kind of confusion a little bit between what's the ultimate long-term product vision and what is it that we can actually deliver this quarter or this year you know kind of like strategic strategic thinking uh around the path to, towards the vision and so that was surprising you know maybe i was a bit idealistic but i thought hey you know there's there's definitely an opportunity if not go all the way to perfection like at least significantly help companies do better job when it comes to product strategy
1: yeah i'm and hearing you talk there um, I'm hearing a lot. You're talking about frameworks and systems that you have in place. And you were describing product board as a system for making better decisions. And I'm wondering, what are the areas do you apply that systematic thinking, thinking about, for example, team knowledge or customer feedback? Are there ways that you're applying this systematic thinking?
2: Yeah, <laughs> ask my wife how how, how I'm applying systematic <laughs> <laughs> thinking to everything. Uh, it drives me crazy sometimes. Um I mean, looking at the 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 world is a complex problem, and the way we approach it as humans is that we try to break it down into smaller pieces, and it's and it's uh, it, it's it's any problem like you mentioned: team travel, knowledge, customer feedback. Like, look at politics. Look at the world problems around us. We're just we've just been through, or we are still through uh, in, I guess, very tumultuous election season here in the U.S. And uh, if if you think about politics, it comes down to looking at the country, look at the people identifying the, the criteria or the, you know, the, the topics, the, the, the most important things that people care about and dissecting them and seeing how the country is segmented and then going after each of the segments with the right messaging, with the right policy, hopefully, to satisfy that. And it's the same thing in product management. It's, it's the realization that the markets are not homogeneous, that people differ significantly in their needs and it's not just functional needs it's just you know what 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 job you're trying to get done uh, uh, in terms of the utility it is also the the emotional needs you know the social needs like what is it that that makes us happy as, as people and you need to understand how the how the how the groups differ and i mean mm-hmm. to, to, to give you an example i mean this is an inside intercom podcast right so intercom there's different audiences that you guys satisfy. There's support people, there's marketers, there's product managers, you know, there's sales people. And so it's very critical to understand how the needs of these target audiences differ and how you're going to then build a product that satisfies or, or multiple products actually, right? That satisfies the, the, the needs of the customers. And so customer feedback, that's that's the input into it. That's how you get to understand people. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, like CRM, and we don't have a system to understand, to centralize the understanding around, around customers. But we have a lot of, uh, of this input in the systems, like in intercom and support tickets or in the conversations, right, in the chat threads. There's so much knowledge there. There is uh, so much knowledge in the sales CRM s- systems. There's so much knowledge in... Notes from customer success, quarterly business reviews on conversations. And so we can, we can distill it out of it. We, can, we, we, we just need to get it out. We need to structure it and then turn it into the patterns and into understanding. And again, you know, whether it's product management uh, or whether it's understanding of some other problems out in the world, it's the same problem look, observe, learn, identify patterns, then figure out how you're going to go about approaching the problem. Like what's the sequence and ultimately solve it. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Particularly as, as I'm hearing you speaking about how you apply the systematic thinking as well as thinking about what product board does. I've heard you speak to product excellence and you know, something you're expecting coming into the US, as well as speaking to how Product Board helps you with product ex- excellence. I'm curious to hear, what does product excellence then mean to you? How is it different from other ways of defining successful product development?
2: Yeah, look, um, you know, we, 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 just, we just talked about feedback and the, and the process and the systemic thinking. It's, there's a framework, there's the best practices for most of what we do as humans. I mean, it's it's just it's just like a culmination and centralization of how we've been doing things for you know thousands of years, and in some areas of the world and in some areas of our endeavors, it's much more sophisticated than in the others because we've been doing it for a long time. So, for example, how a Zen garden should look like, like the Japanese really know. The T, you know, like they're just improving and building it, and it's just getting better and better and better, right? When it comes to architecture, we've been building houses for hundreds of years, and there's a lot of understanding of usability and how the house uh, should be defined. And my point is that the these frameworks and best practices is the same thing in the business processes. It's if you look at sales, if you look at the sales process, there is an understanding of how that best practice sales process should look like what are the stages how do you define leads and contacts and opportunities and the more uh, people understand who are involved in the sales process this this underlying framework in the same way the, the way the more they have the same mental model the more efficient they are in collaborating together because people kind of know what the framework is and how to navigate it right and the interesting thing is that when it comes to engineering, for example, we have agile methodology. It's not that it's not that old it's um or like you know it's it's two thousand and one agile manifesto was written, but now everybody kind of gets it They're like you know hopefully most people in the digital world get it but that that framework and that rigorous process is really about the delivery part of product management. It is about. How do you go and how do you translate the backlog into uh, actual existing product that you're going to deliver to the customers? And there is iteration, obviously. There is, you know, tests with customers and so on. But the strategy piece, the understanding of the market, the segmentation, you know, everything that I talked about, it's really not part of it. And so I kind of thought like, hey, we we should have a framework and a process for product management that would be the set of best practices that would help product teams navigate and kind of, you know, go through checklists. Like, are we doing, are we, are we following the process? And do we have, do we have all the right pieces in place? And so what we did is that we looked at how, the best companies operate and we distilled it into kind of three main pillars and we, we put it under an un- umbrella of product excellence. Could, okay, if, if you want to be really excellent, if you really want to pursue the the craft and if you want to master product management, how would it look like? And it boiled down to three key areas, product vision, product strategy and product execution. And the, the vision, the product vision, I mentioned it already, it's, it's okay. Uh, how does my product look like in in a long term what is it that it's gonna solve in the world how the world's gonna look like with my product in it but then the realization uh, there needs to be the realization that in order to get there it's a journey we can't build the products everything at the same time it's a strategic very thought out methodical way how to get to the vision and Pillar of strategy, like how does the first version of the product g- going to look like? What is it uh, that it's going to solve in terms of pain points for the target customers? And then how, uh, how do I go from there? It's the second key piece, right? Vision, strategy, and then execution. Execution is make sure that everybody's on the same page. Everybody shares the mental model. Everybody understands who are the c- target customers, what pain points they have. And then the strategy informs. It's kind of like a filter. What is it that's going to hit the execution pipeline? And so to give you some examples Amazon started with books and then went and okay now let's sell DVDs and now it's an everything store it wasn't let's try to build e-commerce solution for everybody uh, you know for everything from the beginning Tesla started with a Roadster and then built uh, you know sedan version model um uh, model S and then from there now we are you know later later in mass market vehicle it was a methodical approach if you look at the digital world Salesforce is a company started in sales focused on the sales use cases and build a crm you know sales system and then added later the marketing cloud and analytics cloud and the services support cloud you know it's it's a methodical approach very much driven by the strategy so that's how I hope that we can all operate in the product management world and that we can have this framework and we can always ask ourselves, okay, what's the vision? But wait a minute, what are we going to focus on now? Because if you start building too many things at the same time, you get uh, slow, you slow down and you don't have the focus. I and mean, when Steve Jobs went back to Apple back in the days, the first thing that he did was that he cut down the product portfolio and he said, yeah. we're going to focus just on you a know, few. And so it's it's the same, it's the same mindset, right? And it turns out that that's how the best companies operate. (laughs) So let's replicate it.
1: And mentioning here product managers, with their role in the organization, how important do you think it is for people that are in this discipline to be engaged directly with customer feedback?
2: Oh, it's, I mean, so it's critical. It's knowledge of the customers. I mean, look, like who's a great product manager? What I I mentioned, a product manager is somebody who has an extremely high empathy and understanding for their target customer, the target audience. And how do you get to know the people? How do you get to know the customers the the best or, you know, what's your highest likelihood of, of succeeding in that endeavor? go and speak to them directly that's why Steve Blank and Lean Startup which is by the way speaking of frameworks and methodologies it's a it's a methodology and a framework how to get to product market fit like it doesn't help much after that it's it's not focused on it it's to get us to the market product market fit but the one of the key aspects of that is get out and speak to the customers directly observe them see what they say you know have the empathy to tell when they're uh, when they're fooling you and then they're saying something just you know because they feel like you want to hear something. And if you ask them, hey, would you use this product? It's like, oh yeah, it looks great. I would totally use it. I will pay so much money. But it might not be true, right? So it comes, it comes back to the empathy and so the direct uh, customer contact is critical. At the same time though, the direct customer conversation, that's not the only way how to learn about problems and how to kind of observe the market at scale. Because there are so many Pieces of conversation and so many insights about the market floating, as I mentioned, in in all the systems, the support conversations and so on. And really, there are many people at the company who are on the front lines and who are talking to the customers on a daily basis, even at a higher frequency than product managers do. Because the product managers are focused on, you know, not just understanding the customers, but then also building the products and tr- and turning these insights into into products that are going to be amazing. But the support folks, the sales folks, the customer success folks, they spend so much time talking with customers, and so the product managers need to figure out a way how to tap into it, how to have that communication line and you know free free flow of information from the people on the front lines on behalf of the customers. You know, and that that that's fine, but we need to create a system that's very efficient in, in funneling the understanding and helping the product decision makers understand the needs uh, as as much as possible. I, I sometimes you know, use the metaphor of think of like a Star Trek Captain Bridge, where, you know, the team's there and they have all the systems and all the exploration ships, right, and all the technology at their disposal. Or Or think of or think of like a war room, you know, that uh, if you're if you're in a battle, and the way it works is that you have the spies, you have the soldiers on the front lines, and then they funnel all the information about what's happening into the into the central decision war room, and you make sense of it, and then okay, this is what you're gonna do. You devise the the objectives, or you know, you 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 figure out what your strategy is gonna be, and then you go and execute. And, and in my mind, this, this is how the product organization should be, should be designed. There should be the connection from everybody else at the company to the product teams and vice versa, so that you operate in a highly functional, non-obstructive manner uh, with free flow of information. I know I took it a little farther than just product managers understanding customers, but
1: <laughs> No, this is great. great no, sense.: <laughs> This is great. It, it kind of puts into perspective in the entire company, right? Because it's not just the product manager who's working on the entire product. I'd love to hear some examples on within product board what's helped to keep this connection.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, we're using Product board as a system, uh, <laughs> but, <that's>, but look, <laughs> like that's not you know the tool. I mean, tools are important, right? Software is important, but at the end of the day, people need to know how to use them. People need to you know, configure them properly. And the organization as a whole needs to buy into that way of thinking. And so the systems and the process, how product teams cooperate with engineering and with customer success and with sales, it needs to be set up in a way where people understand the value. And people understand that if they contribute to the product teams, that the product teams will benefit and they need to be motivated also, not just by this intrinsic, I'm going to contribute, you know, and help better products. But luckily they are, they're motivated typically because if the sales account executives, you know, channels feedback into the product team and then knows that product team will act on it and that the product will get better, well, it will be easier for that account executive to sell the product. So there's like very strong incentives for these people to be part of the product management process, but we need to create an environment where this collaboration happens and the collaboration is like everybody wants to be part of it so look so other than the uh, other than the systems, what you can do is that you set up process where if there's a customer conversation happening other people can come and listen to whether it's a user research session that product management or design team is running or whether it is a sales call people can listen and and be part of it or you know listen to the recordings and uh, the value and the communication needs to be both ways product teams when they're listening when they're using tools they need to then tell the company what they did with it So, for example, I talked to a chief product officer at a public company, I I can't name it, it's our customer, but what they do is that they present on the all hands regularly, like what is it that they're hearing from sales and from customer success and from marketing, I mean, they use product board to, to, to show it and to kind of show directly the quotes. But they open up the product kitchen. They open up what's happening and how it's how the company is acting, how the product team is acting, and they talk not just about what is it that they're gonna build, but they also talk about what is it that they decided to deprioritize and that, you know, maybe fits in the bucket of, hey, we know that there's this group of customers and that, you know, they are asking for something, but we are going to get to it later. And that's not the focus. And they use they they use the opportunity to kind of reinforce the strategy and to reinforce the the shared understanding of what is it that people need and what you're focused on right now. So for example, in our case, you know, people ask us all the time, Hey, can you build even more functionality for product delivery? And we would love to use product board for the engineering task management tools as well. And we would replace Jira. And that's great, but that's not our strategic focus. That's not what we want to be focused on. We want to focus on the needs of the core product management, you know, persona. And we wanna partner with Jira and have engineers leverage Jira. And so that that's an example, but it's it's really the kind of the culture that is evaluated and appreciated you know the product team talks and gives recognition to people who contribute uh, the insights and kind of become part of it just before we continue with today's episode i wanted to let you know about offscript it's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary ai driven transformation we're currently experiencing episode one is on our youtube channel right now here's a teaser of what you can expect
3: I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully, too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to
2: come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's
1: episode. At least something that I found and also have seen is how hard it can be if you don't have the right inputs to say yes or no to things, things that you will build and not build. And mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier in in the beginning about how important having your segmentation process good, um, especially when you're getting in customer feedback. Um, I'd love to understand how you see segmentation in terms of getting in customer feedback and and understanding your customer as well.
2: So look, segmentation. What's segmentation? Segmentation is that, as I mentioned, the market is not homogeneous. Different people have different needs. If you just stand in front of a whiteboard, I know that we're in a distributed world, so like do it whatever you know, digital tool you're using for that. Sketch it in Figma if you want. Yeah. But it's just like if, if, if you put the different like demographic segment or the different in the case of Intercom, right? Sales, marketing, customer support, the different personas. If you just put them in, in a row, in two rows of a simple matrix, and then you put the jobs, the needs, the problems that these personas, that these different audiences have, and you put them in columns and you start looking at this matrix and you start filling it out, you will see that some of these problems and some of these segments are completely independent and you know there's no intersection, but you will see that in some others, there is a big intersection that 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 the needs overlap and that sales rep needs to communicate with the customers via chat as much as product manager wants to communicate via chat as much as you know marketing wants to communicate with them and so on but the the great things about it is if you do it visually like this you can have a conversation with other people on the team you can stand in front of it and you can say okay in this quarter Let's focus on the salespeople and you know this this first couple uh, pain points and kind of just like make a circle around it and estimate hey how big of an opportunity it is and you know how you're gonna tackle it and then later in, in the next quarter and subsequently you're gonna expand to the adjacent use case and you know, you're gonna be you know kind of drawing a map basically on this matrix of how you're going to the market and how strategically you intend to approach it. What is the initial BJET segment, how you go from there, and again and again and again. And this, it's 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 super interesting to see. I mean you know we, we've done this and I've seen customers kind of trying to go through this journey. And it's interesting to see how much people differ in just like trying to get to fill out the the rows and the columns. Like what are the audiences, <laughs> what are the pain points, and then okay, what are we actually building? And you know if if you have many rows and many columns and then you find out that you're trying to build everything at the same time, well that's kind of hey, it's not possible are, if you if we keep continuing like this we're gonna we're gonna die as a company. Somebody else is gonna be focused on just the subsets you know is gonna move faster and and' uh, will we'll, we'll out innovate us in that in that area. So I, I'm trying to give you a specific example, right? Like how how you can think about it and the segmentation is combination of the you know the demographics, the descriptive characteristics of the audience, something that you can kind of get from LinkedIn profiles of people, uh, if you will. But then the pain points, the jobs, the behavioral characteristics—that something is the job of the of the product team to figure out and make sure that you understand it really well. And then the segments is the combination. Okay, sales rep, uh, but together with what is it that they're trying to do? That's, that's the target segment.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing that.
2: There, there's, there's more what I, what I can say. I mean, look, this is where marketing strategy and the marketing research techniques come in play. This is what actually is valuable about the, uh, about the business education. You know, this is what companies have been doing for you know, 100 years. Procter and Gamble or other fast-moving consumer companies—they've been doing user research and they would go and they would survey people and you would you would translate this qualitative research into quantitative understanding of the market. We've we've just done a big pricing refresh and we've done a big you know pricing uh, study and pricing research, and we started with interviews, did qualitative interviews. Out of that, distilled the key dimensions, the key kind of repeating criteria, and then we went and we we ran a big a survey of hundreds of prospects and customers and then went and analyzed it and looked for clusters and it came means clustering and you know like did very sophisticated market segmentation and this is something that we should be doing even if you're a small startup maybe you're not doing it obviously in a sophisticated way but that framework the thinking and the understanding that you're not gonna be the next uh, you know conversational marketing tool for everybody day one that there is a way how to get there that is critical, and then the conversation about what is the day one what is the day two what is the day three in terms of the segments that you're gonna be satisfying and their needs that it's just like such a critical part of product strategy and, and this, you know if you, if you can do something like do that with your team and one other thing sorry so, so I've been talking but you ask about product management and you know how you get but be practical what you ask me how what we've done at, at product board I know that there's there's many many people out there who are saying, "Yeah, but my my boss is not thinking that way, you know, I'm just the individual product manager." And I understand it. Like you know, that, that's what I that's what I mentioned. That it's very hard to get everybody on the same page and kind of get everybody bought into this mindset. But what, what everybody can do is just to take a crack at it. So you can sit down as an individual product manager and you can try to fill out this matrix. You can you can try to write one pager on what you think that the product strategy is and how the market looks like. And then you can go to your boss and say, "Hey." you know i've been i've been trying to understand the market and uh, this is what i came with do you see it the same way and it's incredible what what kind of conversation can spark you know it's like oh no this is different and and you know maybe maybe the the head of product has a clear idea and maybe it's just going to be kind of a alignment conversation but it's more likely than not that there is going to be learnings on both sides because typically the individual product managers have a good understanding of of um you know their their particular area of the product or persona that they're responsible for and they can they can contribute to the overall product strategy definition as well
1: i love that tip because it really puts people to give them the ability to be proactive about contributing to that strategy or even driving it forward i know myself but having been in that position before it's nice to have something to bring to the table and spark that discussion so I think that's a good yeah. piece of advice. Yeah. One thing that we typically like to ask guests on Inside Intercom is whether there's an individual from from your discipline or even just in your prof, you know your experience in your profession who inspires you and what do you aspire to be?
2: Um, yeah. Look, I this is kind of the question where people like, who am I gonna say? So I'm like,
1: just <laughs> know a few right
2: jobs and you know. Um, I mean, I watched every video with Steve Jobs I could find. I know right? who hasn't. Men- who and Men- product
1: has, yeah. has not. <laughs> yeah,
2: but look, I uh, I'm I'm gonna give you a broader answer. Like I, you know, I uh, obviously studied the work of all the founders and all the people that discovered early, early on some new market opportunity, and obviously, especially in our domain, right? So, so B two B SaaS, and I mean, Desk Trainer on your team included, right? But then, what's what's increasingly interesting to me is the people who end up scaling the product organizations and the people like tamari hoshua the chief product officer at slack or shauna wolverton the svp product at zendesk you know the odad the cpo at zoom these people have to figure out the process the framework you know how to structure the organization and there's a lot of hard work that they are doing because you know, the founders, including me, we have, this, we have this aura and we can kind of get away with things because you have the founder protection. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. it's like you know, unique insight. But then when you're scaling the team and when you really need to figure out what the structure is and what the organizing principle is going to be and how do you make things work and how do you really lead you know, across the whole company and how you become the voice of the product organization and how you build partnerships, it's just awesome to be talking to these people, like, like like the people I mentioned, and I whenever I talk to them, like I always learn so much. And they're also laser focused, you know. As a founder and as as a, as a CEO, especially if you're founder or CEO, you end up like product ends up being just a, just one of many things that you need to be working on. And so the reality is that you might have in some cases, you know, less of an understanding of the market than your product team. And then, I mean that's what delegation is about, right? I remember when I had a dinner with John Chambers the ex CEO of Cisco he would say that he spends you know half of the time speaking with customers and making sure that he's out there so that he doesn't lose the the pulse of the market and so that he understands what what our needs and then the second half helping everybody in the company be aligned and share the information and and kind of you know work work productively so my point here is that Staying in touch with the customers is critical, but then relying on the product teams, and making sure that, you know, the the, the information is shared and everybody understands it, but then the execution that's on the product teams. And that's where I go for, for inspiration, how they do it and how you handle when you have 10, 20. And in some cases, our customers have, you know, hundreds of product teams. Like, it's such a hard job. Yeah. So study those. And the chief park officers are not typically in the spotlights because the CEOs they call the spotlights because that's how the world works, right? The marketing machine is like, oh yeah, let's put this person on the pedestal. But it's really <laughs> very much a very much a team sport. And then one other one other thing that I wanted to mention is that I still follow some of the great design thinkers, and I'm trying to see how they think about you know patterns and new ways of data visualization because i feel like um, and especially in our domain you know we talked about it like product management is such a multi-dimensional space and there's still a lot of opportunity to innovate um, in ways how we visualize the information so that the patterns and so that the relationships in the data are visible and so that they allow us to identify maybe problems that we didn't know about in the first place. So there's this great agency called Stamen Design here in San Francisco, and they do an incredible data visualization job. And, and I discovered them because there was a MoMA exhibition, this is pre-COVID world a couple of years ago, and there was just like incredible data visualization work. They were you know, visualizing the genome and and some other complex information, set of informations. And it was super inspiring. So check them out, Stamen Stamen Design.
1: Yeah, great. I'll I'll definitely check them out after this. Finally, before we let you go, Hubert, is there anywhere that people can keep up with your work? Um, Any websites, newsletters?
2: Yeah, you can Google Hubert Palan. I'm the only Hubert Palan. Well, I, actually, <laughs> technically, I'm Hubert Palan the fourth, but you know, I'm the, I'm the one who's uh, who's active. But on our website, productboard.com, uh, we have a newsletter. We don't have a podcast yet. I guess we should have Inspired. But I've been speaking with folks on many other podcasts. And then my Twitter handle is hpalan. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. And read our blog, like, you know, we we blog there quite a bit. We also interview people. There's a lot of good content.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Hubert Pallan. If you did, we'd love you to give us a review. It helps like-minded people like you find their way to our content. We'll be back next week with another great episode for you. We do hope you'll join us. This
1: is Inside Intercom.